Most realtors find it extremely difficult to take their business to the next level. Usually this is due to a lack of revenue predictability, a lack of clarity, or a lack of systems and processes. And more often than not, it's all of the above. How discouraging is it feeling like you have to reinvent the wheel every single day? How frustrating is it having a marketing strategy that's basically throwing spaghetti against the wall to see what sticks? How lost do you feel trying to make sense of the hundreds of confusing technologies that everyone says you have to have? How irritating is it constantly trying to make sense of ambiguous advice from people that were successful 20 years ago if they were ever even successful at all? How aggravating is it watching everyone else cruise along while you're constantly feeling overworked and overwhelmed? There's got to be a better way, right? Well, let me tell you about this new company called Innovox. They're really shaking things up in the industry. Basically, Innovox helps real estate agents become real estate business owners so they can scale their businesses. Innovox is a CRM and marketing tool that's designed to systematically walk you through a proprietary three-step scale engine framework. So instead of just presenting you with a thousand features and expecting you to know what to do with all of it, Innobox walks you through a carefully crafted proven framework step by step, so you'll always be three moves ahead. It's not easy to scale a real estate business, but that doesn't mean it can't be simple. So check out Innobox, where you'll get everything you need to scale your real estate business in a box. Go to goinabox.com to learn more. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Real Marketers Podcast. In today's episode, I sit with Jordan Zalter, an agent in the greater Hamilton area that's successfully represented over 1,000 clients. Jordan works with his mom, Sarit, and together they've taken over their market as the go-to agents. Their secret to success, they're willing to work harder, harder than anyone. Jordan is always looking to learn more about the ins and outs of our industry, whether it be looking into the newest marketing trends to better position their listings or studying the constant evolution of the buying and selling experience. He's always willing to go that extra mile. In today's episode, we'll discuss how sheer determination, grit, and accountability has catapulted this fierce yet empathetic team to absolutely dominate their market and how you can do the same. No gimmicks, no hacks, just hard work. I'm Oliver Bohr, and this is the Real Marketers Podcast. And ladies and gentlemen, we are here live with the one and only Jordan Zalter. Jordan, how are you doing today? I'm great. How are you doing, Ollie? I'm good. It's good to have you here, man. I see uh, a lot of sports memorabilia in the background behind you. Uh, what do you got there? Well, it, I've got a lot of Raptors and baseball stuff. I'm hanging out in the basement because we've actually got work going on in our house right now that I wasn't anticipating. So I'm try, trying to hide as best as I can from the noise That's for okay. anybody who's listening today. Not a whole lot of background noise going on, so you're good there. What are those baseballs for? Uh, that was a, a lot of trips with my grandfather. We used to go to a lot of games together, both spring training and regular season games. And every ball there other than two were balls that were caught live by me. Um, awesome. And then just spent years trying to get signatures from any player that I idolized as a kid. So lots of different stuff going on there. So I may be wrong. I think I was speaking to your brother and, and I may be mistaken about this, but he mentioned, I think you were at that Kawhi game where he hit the the final, the, the shot against the Sixers. Were you at that game at that point? I was. Was What was it like in the stadium? It was pretty crazy. I mean, I, I will say that it was honestly probably the second most exciting sports moment in my life at the time that it happened. Believe it or not, a few years before that, I don't like. I was I was chatting with a buddy of mine about it actually at the at the gala dinner this past weekend, 
that the the most memorable Raptors shot for me that I was at the game was actually when Kyle Lowry hit that half court shot to send a game into overtime that it's we all heat. that we ultimately ended up losing. But that half court shot going in and the and the craziness there when it seemed like we had already lost that game was honestly that the, the moment wasn't quite as big, but at the time that was a pretty awesome feeling. That's incredible for me that that you would put above the Kawhi thing. I know in that game, I'm just, interesting. I, look, I, I'm the guy who was a Kyle Lowry fan yeah. before he ever came to the Raptors. I have a Kyle Lowry number three jersey. Most people forget that he wore a number yeah. before seven for the Raptors. So for me, I think it was a big part was who took the shot. But yeah. it was that that the combination of that and just honestly the excitement of that shot. Like we all thought we were going to win after yeah. he hit that. It's like there's no way we're going to lose now. We were down by 15 and made this crazy comeback and he hit a half-court shot. And then we got our butts kicked in overtime. So it, ha- it happens. He was also playing a bad game. Like he had two points at that point, right? Yeah. That's that's Lowry though, right? Like he, yeah. he he shows up in a moment, even if he has a bad game, and then he went back to stinking in overtime. So it was just a a lucky shot that at the time felt like destiny that ultimately didn't happen. Yeah. Okay. So tell us a little bit about yourself. Then outside of obviously you're you're a sports aficionado, uh, more specifically Toronto sports aficionado, but professionally, personally, what's your story? My story is I am a proud husband and father of two beautiful children, seven and five. Um, I very family oriented in, in pretty much everything that I do, which has culminated in me working with my mom now for 13 years selling houses together. She's been doing it for double that. We're at our, I don't know, that's some, something special about 13 and 26, because this will only ever happen to us once. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so she's, uh, She's been doing it 26 years. I jumped into the business, got my real estate license while still doing a double honors at McMaster. Didn't even tell my parents I was doing it. I just showed up one day and said, I got my real estate license. Uh, That scared the crap out of them because I thought I was dropping out of university, which obviously was not the plan. So it was more or less a summer and slight slight like weekends job for the first year and a half. And then once I was done with the university, it's been full, full time ever since and love what I'm doing. So you were one of the only other guys that I know other than myself, that's actually gone into business with their mom. Like what's the experience been like for you? And, and why was that decision that you, that you decided to make? Well, it's funny. Cause I find in business, a lot of people struggle with finding that person or those people that they can trust 110%. And that's a very important segment of the business. A lot of real estate, which we'll talk more about later, is about relationship building. And that's incredibly important. But knowing that you have that one person that you can trust, respect, and understand without putting any effort into it, for us, I, I can speak for my mom as well, because she said it to hundreds of clients with me over the years that it's, it's a level of trust and understanding that ultimately even spouses, I think, struggle with, right? Like there's a lot of husband and wife teams that have done very well over the years. There's also many that have, that have struggled or fizzled out because they, they didn't necessarily, maybe they brought too much of the same thing to the table, or there was still that little lack, even a small lack of trust can sometimes in a business partnership, turn into something very big. We don't have that issue. 
And that that's been great. So, right. I mean, people will joke about it and say, Oh my God, how can you possibly work with your mom every day? And I, and I, I often will say, well, I have a very patient wife who's okay with that because that really is a big component of it because my mom is a big part of my life for two different reasons. A, because she's my mother and B, because she's my business partner. Right. So, so being able to manage that from a people standpoint is very helpful, but the reality is that from a business standpoint and that trust that we have in each other is, is super important. I also yeah. think we're lucky enough that I've got enough in my dad in me that we bring very different skills to the table. So while there are certainly things that we're able to do similarly to one another, we both like, she's more of a people person than I am. It's not that I'm not a people person, but she is the center of every room she ever, you know that like if yeah. we're at an event together, she's, working the room in a way that most people could only dream of being able to do. I'd rather talk to five people a night, not 50 people. Right. So it's a different that we go about things differently, but we come to the same place and ultimately we know what each other's strengths and weaknesses are and it helps. I think you kind of touched on something there about the trust, right? Like it's in a relationship, let's say between a husband and wife, if the trust isn't there, like, forget about working on anything. If you don't trust each other, like, that's it. Like, it's, you got to base, I don't know. You, I don't want to say that. And like, I would look, fun. I mean, I, I think any, whether it's business or a relationship or anything, there's a lot of effort that you have to put into making a relationship work. Absolutely. With perhaps one exception. And, and that one exception is a parent, right? Like a parent yeah. and child. It's so unconditional that, yeah. the, that my mom can do things that makes me want to pull my hair out doesn't happen that often, but I know that I make her want to pull her hair out sometimes. And it, it doesn't ever turn to a place of, of animosity. It very quickly just is like, Oh, well, I love him and he's doing this and this is why, and that's okay. Right. So it's like that, that, that default to fall back onto is a really comfortable place to be to the point where I've, I've tried other business ventures in, in my life. I don't have to go too far into those. But when they're with anyone other than my mom, it's hard, right? Because right. It's, it, it, as much as you think you trust somebody and as much as you think you know them, you don't know them as well as you know your mother. Right. So it's just a different animal. I've actually not had that experience per se, meaning the, specifically when you were mentioning about uh, like this, you have to work on any relationship with the exception of like a parent. I actually found that there were elements of it that, were when we were starting almost more difficult than I anticipated that they would be. Obviously I've never really worked with anybody except for my mom, but I, I anticipate that it was more difficult in some ways working with my mom because it was almost like unnatural. Like we have a relationship and then we needed to have almost two separate relationships going on at every, any given time. The thing that made it always possible, like I was mentioning about the relationship, as long as there's trust, it doesn't matter what's happening. You always have a shot of figuring it out and you will, there's always an answer without that. That's a big part of it for sure, right? But I, I think for us, what was unique is that she had 13 years of a business that she built. Right. And it was a very successful business, but it it really, to any educated eye, had plateaued at a certain point. And she knew that I had the expertise to take it to the next level. And right. I think knowing that and trusting that right away is what allowed us to grow as quickly as we did. And yeah, I was a rookie, so I was compensated fairly, but I didn't make a ton 
it certainly benefited her more in the short term. And then as we moved on and built our business more and more and more, there was more of a piece of the pie that I was able to, to, to have for, for myself and, and, and my family. But really we're, I think it's, it's so nice to see that, that we really, there's never an argument about money. There's never an argument about commission. There's enough to go around. We, we respect what he, what, each of us do so much that there's no need to have those arguments and, and it's, and it's become very seamless for us. And I know that that's not often the case for others. And I will certainly say that, that, I mean, she's gone on enough vacations pre COVID in, in my work life to say that, that for anybody starting out, we'll get to that later, but, but real estate partnerships work far better than real estate agents working on their own. It's a very demanding job that requires a lot of call it after hour care for clients and the ability to have that split up so that you can have a personal life and you can have a social life where you can actually shut off for a few hours without letting your clients down is very valuable, right? And I think a lot of agents either just can't ever shut it off and my mom was like that for a very long time. I had to literally, I remember years ago, told her she was going away on my a trip with my dad for three weeks. And I forget where she was, but it was where cell service was not going to be good. And I made her leave me with her cell phone. And that was really scary for her. But I said, you don't need this. I have your back. I've got this. It's okay. Go on your trip. And yes, we had email communication, but she... That was probably the only time in her adult life that she didn't have a cell phone. Yeah. Which is probably one of the reasons also that you guys are successful is that you're actually reachable. Correct. I mean, look, that's a big part of it. But like I said, if you're starting out and you're trying to make a business plan, if you've got two people and one of them is reachable, you can stagger. You can even tell your clients, I'm available on this night, this night, and this night. And Joe is available on this night, this night, and this night. Between the two of us, we've got you covered. Right. Why can doctors do that? That's, I would say, probably more important to have 24-hour care. So yeah. why can doctors have that? A profession that I also am very intimately familiar with. But, but a real estate agent can't do that? It's, it's blasphemy? No, you set those ground rules and it works. It works for us. Right. So this is actually kind of a good, good transition into the next part is, uh, like, forgetting about the market, let's even say a year ago, whatever it is, like you guys have had like a thousand or over a thousand clients in your career. Um, I don't know, collectively, respectively, whatever it may be. But you mentioned to me that despite the market being what it is, that a vast majority of the industry are struggling right now more so than ever. Yet you guys are finding that you're more busy now than you were before the market was like this. So my question to you is how, how can I, how, how can we make sense of that? How does that even fit? Well, the context of that, it's twofold, right? The first one, not needing to toot our own horns at all, is that this is a business, especially when we're seller focused, but even if we were buyer focused, we're in a more balanced market now. We need to work more hours per sale, period, right? Like, yes, we we spent more time than most when the market was flying and we didn't just assume that throwing a house on realtor.ca was going to get top dollar. 
certainly you can make the assumption that you put a listing up a year or two years ago and it would sell, but that didn't necessarily, that wasn't the best thing you could do for your sellers. You had to still put a lot of time and effort in to get them the highest and best dollar, which is something that we've proven over the years that we get results. Like came up with that tagline three years ago and people seem to like it, but that the, that was that now we have to work a lot more hours per sale. So if you're going to do a similar amount of sales or even a little bit less sales, and it's okay to admit that our numbers probably this year are going to be less than they were. And they'll probably be lower in 2023 than at the peak. And that's okay because we're in a downturn market. Why that might not be the case though, is a second piece, which is this is now in my career, my second downturn, it's my mom's third. And what we have found over the years, we've already had, I would say, pushing a dozen calls in the last few months since the market has softened from sellers that were previously working with somebody else and now come to us wanting for us to get them results. And that's one example of a broader, of a, of a broader thing that tends to happen in downturn markets is you're less likely to use that friend of a friend or that distant family member or that call them that anybody to sell a house when it's a much more challenging market, you tend to go and you ask for a recommendation or you go to that person that is marketing consistently in your neighborhood that you know has the connections to get the job done, has the wherewithal to get the job done, and that ultimately has done it for many other people, right? So we what we find is that I, I don't feel good about it. I'm not that that shark of an agent who is so concerned with putting like, I don't have that fight. I would say where I like that we get busy when other people struggle more, but I'm certainly conscious of the fact that we're in a position in our careers where, where that is a cadence that tends to happen. And, and that is another reason for those agents that are newer to a consider working with a bigger team if they can find one that that fits and jives with their personality as what we'll get to later is i think being true to you is the most important thing you can do it as, as an agent we all as people have different strengths different weaknesses different things that we can bring like bring to the table and the truer you can be to yourself the more natural it's going to be and feel which is going to allow you to be more successful i think that's very important but to find a team that you drive with or to find an individual that you drive with and create a team. I think that bringing that collaboration together can help newer agents position themselves better in a marketplace that is very top heavy. And instead of being upset about that, realize that that is a trend that exists and do your best to be at the top one way or another, because that's, I don't know, that's certainly somewhere you'd want to be in a market like ours. So you mentioned about like being true to yourself and, and, and kind of letting your personality shine forward. And the reality is it's a hundred percent true because everything is, everything can be duplicated about you except for yourself and your personality really. Right. Like if you have systems and process, whatever it is, everything can be done and delegated out except for you as your personality. Practically speaking though, let's say if you're an agent who's struggling and it's like, okay, go and be yourself. Like, how do you kind of reconcile that without it feeling or at least sounding like banal, like go get him sister advice. Like 
practically speaking and tangibly speaking, how does that actually make a difference in your business if you're just being yourself? Well, it does because again, it's you if you're true to yourself, you are gonna feel more genuine. You are gonna be you're gonna be more confident in what you're doing, and you're gonna be a much easier person to trust. And I think we're in a business where 99% of your clients are going to trust you 110%. If they don't, they're not your client, right? So it's like, sure, once in a while, you'll have that person who's like, well, I need to use you, but I don't trust anybody, right? But the reality is the vast majority of clients are only using you because they trust, respect you, and understand what you bring to the table. Because if they didn't, there's way too many of us out there and they'll find somebody else. Right. So it's like that, that is a very important piece. But when you're in your element, you're much more likely to be trusted than when you're not. So it's like one of the questions that, that I'm often asked is what, what do you, what are you supposed to do during the day if the phone's not ringing or if you're not sure how to generate business? not sure how to generate business online. You know, I've tried that many times and not been very successful with it. But the the reality is that we've always done the other stuff, the stuff that people think has disappeared, but it really hasn't. And sure, there are ways to do it online too, for someone maybe a little bit more online conscious than, than even I am. But it's the, the reality is that you have to be putting yourself in a position where you you are doing something you like in your community, in a neighboring community, where you're bringing some value. People see that you're bringing that value, and it very often will bring business back to you. And you're not – what I don't like is when people are volunteering for something and – they're constantly pushing themselves on somebody, their business, right? Like, and there's lots of my colleagues that do things like that. The, 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 the first thing, the second thing, the 10th thing, and most things in between that they say to somebody is, hi, I'm so-and-so, I'm a real estate agent. I take an opposite approach. I go and I volunteer for causes that I believe in. I guess for me, I'm lucky because I have signs all over the community anyways, but I never say anything about what I do to anybody unless they come to me, which happens more often even than I'd like, but they come to me asking me questions about real estate. How's the market? What do my neighbor's house sell for? Hey, can I talk to you about business? Well, no, not right now. That's not what we're here for. Let's talk about it later. But I don't bring it up and that in itself is a much more trustworthy thing. So it's funny. It's like you can go and volunteer for a cause you believe in and, and you can truly enjoy what you're doing and you find that you really get along with 60, 70, 80% of the people in that committee that you're volunteering with. They like you too. And then when they have a house to sell or you're top of mind because you're with them every week and their friend or their relative has a house to sell and they're going to recommend you or they're going to use you. And all you were doing was being yourself and giving your time 
to something that you believed in. That's it. How, so that makes sense in theory. And I think that you're in a fortunate position where you've been doing this enough time. You have a lot of brand recognition. I don't really believe in luck in business. So I wouldn't, I wouldn't ever be as brazen as to say that because I don't believe that's true at all. But you've just been doing it for long enough and you, your face is in enough places that kind of people just know what you do. Let's say if you're a new agent that's trying to get out there, if you're not telling people what it is that you do, how are they going to know? No. So look, I mean, I, I skipped a step, right? I, I, I will ultimately, was I lucky? Was I fortunate in my circumstances? Yes. But I also was bold enough to say, Hey, you know what, mom, I can make this business better. Let's jump at this. What do you think? And she said, sure, let's try. And honestly, both of us weren't sure it was going to last or weren't sure it was going to work if I'm being completely honest, but it, it, we, it, the second it started, there wasn't any thought that I was ever going to do anything else, right? Like it didn't take long. It was supposed to be a one-year plan. It's 13 years later and I'm not going right. anywhere, right? So it was it, the, it, for those that, again, I mean, that's part of, if you can't take the family shortcut, and I suspect most people listening probably couldn't, that's why I was again harping on whether it's a team, whether it's teaming up with somebody else that's new so that you can pull resources, pull ideas. I think that that bigger is often better. It's funny that I say that because we haven't wanted to grow past the two of us. We call ourselves the dynamic duo and that's not likely to change because that's really how we market ourselves differently from a lot of our competition. But there are a lot of teams. I've got a lot of friends in the business many that have started way after I did. And my advice to them was always do not try to do it by yourself at the beginning. It's way too hard, right? It's the, the amount of resources that you need, the amount of time that you need. I think the being around people and being able to bounce ideas off of them is super helpful as opposed to just trying to come at everything on your own. So that the, there is power in numbers to a degree whether that number is two or three or five or 10 or 50, you have to pick your comfort zone, but that's how more people would know what you're doing. And you can be subtle about it. You can put it in a, something I've always said from the very beginning, I was all for an email signature that, that said what I was doing, even if, and I don't do it anymore, but when I was volunteering, I, they would at least, Oh, sorry, I, I left my my real estate signature on the email, but then at least they knew. I didn't have to like push it in people's faces. And look, when someone likes you, they're likely gonna start a conversation with you and ask right. you what you do for a living, right? Like right. even it or or simpler than that, I'm not it's not an accident because I said I'll never bring it up, but I'm gonna ask that new person what their name is, what their family situation is. And what they do for a living. And when we're done their half of the conversation, they tend to ask me what I do. Right. Or they might say, oh, you sell real estate, right? They already knew who I was. That happens quite often. But that part wasn't that important because if it was just, oh, hey, here's a genuine conversation. What do you do for a living? There's your platform. Right. Give your 30 second elevator speech. That's when you can do it. Right. So it's almost like there's a time and a place for it. And I think that, one of the one of the things is is generally speaking, like your gut will tell you when it's a normal time to say something and when it's not a normal time to say something. So if you're in a conversation, right? So like I get a lot of sales scripts, for example, that I see, and it's all like, 
hey, so how long have you been struggling? How long have you been trying to accomplish your branding goals? Like, that's a really stupid thing to ask somebody because nobody says that. Like, what kind of a comment? No, and look, I mean, you and I operate a little bit differently sometimes. It's what your business is, right? But it's like, I, I have never been a huge believer in systemizing too many things. And we've had this conversation before. Yeah. Because my fear is if you do it too much, you lose that personality. And the second you do that, there's this disconnect because a human's dealing with a human. And then yeah. it seems like whether there is a computer involved or not, if you memorize something in your head, you're going to sound like a robot. So right. it's like you've got to be careful not to sound like you've scripted something. Because if you're in a volunteer setting or you're out at a coffee shop or you're at a sporting event and you sound like you've scripted something you're done yeah conversation over right well it happens to be i'm more into frameworks and templates to be honest than scripts so like like this for example i would be totally into this, the quote-unquote strategy um and i know you don't like giving official terms or whatever because you're no like, not, that's fine because i'm not saying i don't have strategies no either. i understand like, no so but, like but said, like, all of this doesn't happen by accident but right. part of my strategy is be yourself and don't talk too much about business and don't talk about business in front of other people. So a, if it's 10 people in a room and I'm not in a corner with somebody else and they ask me a question, I can only answer very generally because that's not a private conversation at all. Right. Yeah. So it's like you set certain ground rules for yourself and for your business. And then you just remember that it's like, Oh, so-and-so is really into talking about this shoot them a line, whether it's a text or an email, you likely have their co their contact in some capacity after the meeting is over or the next day and say, hey, we never really got to finish our conversation last night. I'd love to, to chat with you. Tell me when you're free. Right. Something like that. If you want, if you want to build a relationship, that's a pretty good place to start. Right. But even a framework that you had of like starting a conversation and just having a genuine conversation and saying, so what do you do? Like that would, some people will call it a script. I would call it a framework, whatever it is. But I like that kind of like the question that I'm sure some of these listeners right now are asking is like, well, we obviously have to let them know what we do. It's like, well, yes, you do. But don't ask your real estate equivalent of how long have you been struggling with your branding needs? Or how long have you been trying to figure out your branding? Like, don't ask that question because nobody talks like that except for a robot or a script. Instead say, nice to meet you. What's your name? What do you do? Where do you live? Like that kind of stuff. And I was like, how about you? What's your story? What do you do? Well, you're a local real estate agent. And then you could just talk about whatever you want to talk about and that kind of way of organically doing it. And which brings us to the next part of like, it's just about getting out there, getting in front of more people, having more genuine conversations, being less salesy, more, less salesy, more authentic. But here's the question. A lot of people are in real estate, let's say that are struggling are working really hard, are, let's say, trying to get in front of people. Um, and I guess working hard, obviously, and, and this is something that, that that you really speak out very, very, um, I guess, uh, openly about, right? You just got to go in and put in the hours and do the work. I do believe that there's a good number of agents that are working hard, but they're not seeing the same levels of success that you guys are seeing. So what do you think is the difference about possibly the way that you guys are working hard versus the way that some other agents are working hard that they're not seeing success, but you guys are. Well, so it's a, I've always used the term working smarter, not harder is very important. 
right? And and something that really irks me, and it doesn't happen as often anymore because I'm pretty vocal in trying to help my fellow agents about this, but I'm sitting in a brokerage and there's an agent who's new and they are showing up to the office every day, roughly between the hours of nine to five and they're sitting on their computer. There's not a damn thing in my opinion that they can be doing on their computer that's more valuable than getting out there in the community. So unless they have no commitments whatsoever on a personal side, on a family side, and they're then every night out there trying to meet people at bars or events or whatever, that's not how they should be spending every single one of their days. I think being immersed in, in an area with agents, whether it's a brokerage or somewhere else, whether it's a physical area or an area online is important. Like I said before, to bounce ideas off of each other, but that's not the only thing that a new agent should be doing. I think getting out there is very important. I think that if you are not the type of person to be out there socially, you really need a team to help feed you business because that is the main driver of business is social interaction in real estate. I think anyone who says otherwise is likely not being truthful. So getting out there and being yourself and, and having people gravitate to you. So it's important to be yourself in the right setting, right? Because if you're out of place where you're trying to put yourself, whether that's a coffee shop, whether that's a kid's sports event, whether that's a, a, a community event or volunteering in any capacity, if you're not natural in that setting, you're likely not going to be very noticeable or noticed or get have any business opportunity from it. Or you'll be noticeably and transparently out of place. Correct. Which I would say is like they're either that or you're out of place or you're invisible. Both would have the same effect, right? So it's, you've got to put yourself in places where you feel like you are naturally. And what's nice about that is it, it could very quickly spin from sitting in the office and getting really tired of it feeling like a nine to five cubicle job and waiting for the phone to ring and getting frustrated because you don't know when you're going to get a listing or when a seller's going to call you or a buyer's going to call you or email you and you really are struggling to, to, to do work versus, oh, hey, I'm being told that I should go play basketball in the middle of the day if that's something that I like doing or I should go to a, a I should go and, and, and get involved in my community. Yeah, I'm saying that, that that being in a committee in the middle of the day on a Tuesday or playing a basketball game on a Sunday night is probably a better use of your time than looking at stats and knowing the second that a house sells and what it's sold for. You have yeah. to know that stuff. And as you get more experience, you will learn it and you will take it in much faster and and that element of the business is very important because the knowledge component is very important, but that can be done at any time. You also have to find time for getting your face in front of people, because if you're an encyclopedia that's dusty on a shelf, I don't care how much information you right. have if you can't use that information. 
even if it's like, I feel like even if, for example, let's say somebody was like, no, but from nine to five every single day, the work that I'm doing for real estate is absolutely essential. And let's even say hypothetically it works you. Well, I, I agree with you. I can't envision a world that sitting on a computer for nine hours a day is actually helping your business. But let's say you need to sit in front of a computer for two hours a day, I don't know, to research leads that you're going to call later, whatever that may be. Go to a coffee shop every day, the same day of a week. Go to five different coffee shops, Monday to Fridays, the same two hours a day and just work there. And then but again, that's there. natural for you. Right. I almost brought that up before because you feel comfortable in a coffee shop. Somebody else might not feel comfortable in the coffee shop. They might need to do it somewhere else. I have colleagues that will pick up 20 deals a year getting drunk at a bar because they're in their element when they're yeah. drunk at a bar and they're likable, approachable people. And all they got to do was drink and enjoy themselves, but they know what they're doing. So even if they're slosh, they can still have a coherent enough conversation about their business, about real estate, and it works for them. Yeah. Right. So whether it's a coffee shop or, and it's hard for me to give examples because I just give the examples that work for me. Right. Right. Like I like volunteering. I like playing sports. There's things that I like doing. I do those things. My mom doesn't like sports, but her kids love sports. If it wasn't for my brother and I being as involved in the sporting community when we moved here, we moved here. She got a real estate license in Toronto where she did the courses in Toronto. We moved here. She was brand new, knew three families in Hamilton. That was it. Right. And her first year was a top hundred agent in the city. How did that happen? Because she, and she will admit it. She was at the soccer field, the, 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 she was at the soccer field, and this is another thing we haven't talked about yet, but that the number one conversation that people have virtually anywhere in public with somebody else is about real estate. So what my mom was not afraid to do, and you got to be very careful how you do this, and it's not something I do, but two people are having a conversation at a table next, door, like next to you at a restaurant or at a coffee shop about real estate and they're two friends and they're having a conversation or they're a husband and wife or partnership, whatever, she'll chime right into that conversation. Yeah. And if you do that wrong, and even if you do it right, sometimes people are going to take that the wrong way. Yeah. Right. But it's like the knowing that those conversations are out there, I sidetracked a little bit, but she started her business and a lot of her business was because people were having those conversations at the sporting events, she was half watching my brother and I, and she was half listening for conversations and made sure that she knew this was pre-internet, right? It sounds crazy yeah. to say that, but she knew all the dailies. She knew all of the houses when we were in Dundas. She knew all of the houses that were for sale in Dundas and she knew the last 10 sales stats. And when we were in Flamborough, she knew all of that. And what did she do? She had that information. She was listening for what people were saying. Oh, my friend would love to be in Dundas. Okay, well, guess what? First house she ever sold was on Suter Drive in Dundas. She's having a conversation. Somebody else is having a conversation about how their friend loves Dundas and they'd love to be able to buy a four-bedroom house in Dundas. And my mom made that happen. That was her right. first day, right? So it's like all because she was at a soccer game. I like we live in the same community, obviously, and I'm kind of telling that to the people who who are listening to this who don't know that we were friends before we kind of 
um, where I don't want to call his colleagues, whatever it is, professional network acquaintances, whatever you want to call it. And one of the things I know is, is like, for example, when we have like carnivals at my kids' schools, your mom is literally in there with a cotton candy machine making cotton candy for the kids at the car these carnivals, right? Me and your brother actually created a basketball league a few years back. And obviously you were there joining the league. You brought your friends in. Like, these are the kinds of things also that you're talking about. It's like, find your place. And this is like, when we, when we build real estate brands for our clients, we don't just like most of the time when people think about a brand, they're thinking about visual identity, website logo. And like, basically that's it. That's, like, that's not that's, your brand. That's not your that's brand. That's not your brand. That's, right? so, that's your color scheme. Exactly. I, it drives me crazy when people say that, that your brand is you. It's your personality. It's who you are. It's what you do. It's how you interact with people. Exactly. That's much more important than your logo. Yeah. So the second part of it, that's for us, that's just the first part. That's the tiny part. And, and I say like, that's where everybody thinks it stops. The second part of it is figuring out what makes you different, who you are, right? Figuring out the kind of people that you want to be with, that you want to talk to and figuring out where you can go, where you can add value and that kind of stuff. And it's a very, um, almost as you mentioned, like pre-internet way of marketing, but really that's like in a thousand years and a thousand years ago, like brand was always basically the same idea. We just have different mediums to kind of promote a quote unquote brand, but it's the same idea. Brand is- Yeah, look, sure. I'm not talking about it because I hate social media, but there are people that 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 need to look and be social media ready all the time. And you know the type and you know what I'm talking about. Yeah. And they can build a brand for themselves on their phone. And that's fine because it works for some people and it's natural for them. If we were in a world where the only way to get clients was on social media, I would have a big problem. But that's not the world we live in because that's not how I generate business. And I right. also... For a year or so, I was afraid that I was going to be a dinosaur until I realized, you know what, that's fine. And I can let Instagram go and it'll, it's a big fad and maybe it'll pass and maybe it won't, but that's okay. And do I still use it? Of course I do. You have to, to market your clients' properties effectively. But am I actively using it to generate business? No, I'm not. So let me ask you this then. Let's say you had to start again in a new market. Nobody knew you and you didn't have any money for marketing. What would you do and how long do you think it will be before you're back into the same position that you're at right now? Well, do I have the cheat code of being who I am right now and my credentials or I'm a new person? Because they're two uh, you, very you, different questions. You know what you do, but you can't promote yourself as having over a thousand transactions. So I'm just new. Yeah, the same knowledge though, but that's it. Well, I would... I would go and have as many conversations with top agents as I needed to, to align myself with them, to work under them. If I had the ability to prove myself to them, I know I'd be able to do it, whether I could talk about my credentials or not. It would certainly speed up the conversation. But if I could just say, look, give me a chance. Let's have a conversation here. Throw a script at me. Let's get this house listed. Let's do it. And I would do my first sale or two for free if I needed needed to, to prove myself. If it was in a community that I wanted to work in. What would, what would getting under the wing of these agents, like except for like surrounding, because obviously you're the average of the five people that you surround yourself with the most. What would getting under the wings of these top agents actually tangibly do for you? That's your exposure, right? So it's not needing to build it from scratch. It's teaming up with, that agent who aligns with you 
who is already out there. So instead of you're moving to a brand new place and you don't really know how that place operates, right? Like it's kind of a similar scenario to what you're talking about, right? Like I'm starting out fresh. If you, if, if you're, if you're planning on living in your childhood neighborhood and you've been there and maybe you've never left, you went away for, for university and then you came back, that's different. You're already ingrained in that community. That's a head start too, in my opinion. And then I would just say, get out there, be yourself and make sure everybody knows what you're doing. But if you are going somewhere brand new and all you had was your knowledge, I would do my best to find somebody that I could work with, work under, work in 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 collaboration with, because it would help me. They already have the system, if they're like-minded, to know where you should be on a Saturday, what's going on on a Tuesday. And they have systems in place to help you with that as opposed to really having to try to figure out where you should be spending your time and yeah there's all ultimately the bonus of if they're busy enough their spillover business because one of the things we didn't talk about yet is and it's harder now post-covid but they're starting to happen again is one of the best places you can spend time as a young agent is at an open house so you should be begging again take another agent a more a, a more uh, established agent that has listings out for coffee, out for lunch, prove yourself to them. If you just send an email and say, I really want to do an open house next Sunday, they're going to ignore it. We're going to ignore it. If you create a network with somebody and you really prove yourself to that agent and say, look, I love the opportunity to do your open houses anytime you have an open house you're not able to do, if you actually proved yourself to them, they're likely going to throw that bone to you. And being able to do open houses is a great way to get in front of dozens of people in two hours. And those dozens of people have at least a small amount, even if they're a nosy neighbor, of interest in real estate. So mm -hmm. you now have the ability to get in front of numerous people that have an interest that would help you in your career. So... Following this strategy then, so you get in front of, just to kind of recap that first part, you get in front of the right people, the top agents, you basically learn anything and everything you can for them and you offer just value without expecting anything in return, do their open houses for free. Essentially, you said if need be, take, literally just take deals for free um, and just do And I'm not even saying you have to do that. I'm just saying, what would I do to really say, look, I, I, I'm so confident in what I have to bring to the table that I'll do this for free to show you that you want me. Right. Like, right. but that, that's an, oh, look, I'm a confident person. You know that. And so I can do that. A lot of people wouldn't do that. That's fine. Say, look, I really love the opportunity. And here's why, whatever that here's why is you make your pitch as why they should invest their time and perhaps money and clients expectations in you. If you can convince them of that, you've done your job. You got to figure out what you bring right. to the table that collective you or any you that I'm talking to right now, you have to be able to do that. That's important. But pr basically prioritize their mentorship, their exposure, their, their, I don't know, experience. All of the above. Uh, All right. of it is important. So uh, prioritize that, that kind of stuff above just the money. And then, and then kind of go from those opportunities that are presented by actually leading with. And it's no different than what it. I see I do now. That's no, like I, I prioritize relationships over immediate business. And I right. find that that helps me in the, 
often even short-term, but medium-term and long-term. You're way better off building relationships that way. So let me ask you this then. Second part of the question is, how long do you think it would take following that to get back to where you're at right now? Two to three years. Wow. Two to three years of like hard, nonstop grinding, just exposure. This is not a career for people that think that money is going to flow in immediately. I right. should be very fair and honest about that. It's not, it can seem easy and it maybe is, is easy enough for some, but there's a grind at the beginning. I even say with my shortcut, it was a grind for me. It was a lot of work. Yeah. A lot of time away from my young family, a lot of time away from the basketball games that I love going to or watching. That was not an option. My evenings were not my evenings. Right. They were my clients' evenings. Right. So that's a, right. one example of it. But, and then it wasn't like I wasn't working during the day either. Of course I was. That's where you build the knowledge when you've got those gaps of time in between. Right. But it's you, you've got to realize that to be, and I think a lot of people probably wouldn't want the job of a top agent either. So to say, if I wasn't living in the community that I want to live in and working with my mom, would I want to be as busy as I am right now? Probably not. So maybe a, a harder question for me than for some. Where it's like I'd be okay with being half as busy as I am right now. I'd be totally fine with that, mm -hmm. right? So it's like maybe that if I ever in this alternate universe wasn't here, I'd be aiming for something like that. And then it would probably happen a little bit quicker. But a year to two years, the average agent takes six months before they sell their first house. And I know everybody thinks they're above average, but 100 new agents show up. 50 of us are right around average and you got like 10 or 15 that are above average and everybody else is below. Right. So it's like, well, below. six months actually sounds a bit quick. I'm, I'm, if that's the stat, I'm surprised it's that fast for your first sale. Not when it closes, but when you make a transaction and that's okay, on average, right. So now we're, I guess, eight or nine months from any money coming in. Right. So that's, and, and, and that's from date of getting your license. So, what I, I guess should be very clear about too is if you're just starting with the educational journey, this it's a long process and you better you're be right, doing right, something right. else in the meantime. And what's really hard with real estate is I know a lot of people who think that they can just do it as a part-time thing. And that's a really bad idea too. Yeah. Because the problem is your sphere of influence, which is still where a lot of your business will ever come from, yeah. Know that you're a part-time agent and that you're doing something else. And are they really going to trust what is 99% of people's most valuable asset and somebody who's just half-assing it and doing it part-time? I know I wouldn't. Right. So let me ask you this. Why do you think success is something that's so elusive to so many agents? Because there's too many of us. It's not, it's not, it's not a nice answer, yeah. but... When I heard, I think it was fairly early in COVID that a stat came out. I've never verified it. It irked me, but I didn't feel the need to go and check that there are more real estate agents in Ontario than teachers. 
That probably sounds about right, to be honest. That's that's scary. That's not necessary. Right. Do we do an important job? Absolutely. Do educators do a very important job? They sure do. Right. And there are consistently more people that need to be educated than there are people that need to sell a house. So why should we have more agents? I think the challenge is, is, and I may be wrong about this, but... Well, I'll tell you what I'm not wrong about. Wrong about is generally speaking, the barrier of entry is so low. The therefore right. I may be wrong about, but I don't think I am, is that typically speaking, if you wanted to really simplify it to like a dichotomy, there's two ways of there's two types of people that become agents. There's the kinds of people that are good business people, whether they not they know it at that point in time, they're good business people. They want to be entrepreneurs. They want to be successful, and so they start their own business as being a real estate agent or a real estate business owner, as I prefer to call them. Then there's a second group of people that either their friends said you should totally be a real estate agent. You'll be awesome. You're so friendly. Or they watch, uh, they watch all of these like shows, like Selling Sunset or whatever it is. They think that's what it is. Basically, they don't really have any other thing going on professionally speaking. And it's like, what do I do right now? I guess I'll just become an agent. So that low barrier of entry means that let's say these 10% of people that are actually going to be successful because they're, they're just if they're not going to do it in this industry, they'll do it in another industry. And then there's, let's say, 90% of people that are basically in for a rude awakening and obviously, like, that's why 87% of people, agents, and I actually thought it was 92%, but it's either way, it's between 87 and 92% of agents that will fail in the first five years of business. Why? Because 90% of agents basically became an agent because their friend said, you should do this because you're really friendly or, oh my God, selling Sunset looks awesome. I could totally do that. And meanwhile, they forget they live in a place like Hamilton where we don't have houses like they do in, in selling Sunset. So like, there's a discrepancy there and they didn't see it coming before they, they actually signed up for it. And that's where that saturation comes in. So let me ask you a different question. Same question, kind of worded a bit differently. What do you think is the biggest indicator of success in an agent? I don't know, like business acumen, understanding of people. I think that, like I said before, relationship building is very important. I don't think there's any one thing other than perhaps, I mean, I, I like to say the word consistency is super important. And what is something that my mom and I pride ourselves in is that we do our best to treat our clients with their $4 million house the same way as we treat our clients with a $300,000 condo, right? So it's like, be consistent in what you do in every facet of your business and your life. And that tends to breed success. I can't promise that for anybody, right? Because if you're consistently doing things the wrong way, then being consistent is not going to get you anywhere. Right. So it's like, is there a secret sauce other than being yourself? No, but like I, you got to be yourself if you're a person that people gravitate to and like also, right? Like it, it is a relationship business. And I think that the, the, the very honest thing that people can do in assessing whether real estate could potentially work for them, not even that it will, but that it could potentially work, is do they gravitate to people or not? If you don't, whether that's on social media or that's in person, if you're not, if you're not a magnet to people and people aren't a magnet to you, that might be a problem. Mm-hmm. So I would, I actually, I like the consistency answer as well, because I do believe that there is some space and maybe a little bit more difficult for them, but I believe that there is room in the market for people that aren't naturally 
let's say the center of attention or people aren't naturally attracted to or they're a magnet as you said it's definitely a lot harder but i think that the great equalizer personally is that hard work is something that that is within anyone's reach so regardless of anyone's upbringing like some people may have gone through more challenges in their life to make it that hard work just as more of a natural consequence to them like fine be that as it may at the end of the day we're not all as smart as each other we're not all as creative as each other we're not all the same but one thing that we all could be the same is we all have the ability to push a little bit harder when it doesn't really feel like we can and for me the reason i like that word consistency is that everybody can be consistent in whatever they whatever they decide is the right thing for them as long as they're focused on the right thing to be consistent with and then they just be consistent anybody can make it and i i don't believe it's complicated i i don't i think it's very difficult but i don't believe it's complicated at all to be successful in this game it's not complicated but it's very difficult right so before I let you go, then what's one final piece of advice that you'd like to leave us with? I mean, I feel like I've said it already, but get out there and be yourself, right? Like that's enjoy life and enjoy real estate or whatever career you choose. Cause I think perhaps that one other piece of secret sauce that I didn't get to before is you have to enjoy what you're doing or people will pick up on that and they will not enjoy you as much. Right. Like I, I think that's true. If anyone's listening to this, that has no interest in being a real estate agent. If you enjoy your job, you will be better at your job period. And you'll be a happier person. So it's like this nice, it all kind of works together, but it starts with enjoyment and, and that's a big part. Awesome. Okay, so Jordan, how can people find you if they want to look you up, ask you questions, kind of talk about the interview? How can people find you? Look up Sarit and Jordan's Altar on Instagram. If you Google us, you'll find probably five or six different websites that have our contact information on it. Literally, just look, we're, we're blessed to have a, a very easy to say and understand, but very rarely used last name. So if you type in Zalter anywhere on any type of search engine, you will find us. If you're looking to scale up your real estate business, you need to check out Innovox. We believe that with the right tools and coaching, anyone can succeed in this business. That's why we created Innovox, a CRM and marketing suite to automate your lead generation and lead nurture, along with a coaching to help you scale. We follow a three-part framework of brand, automate, and scale to build a real estate business that makes more money and requires less of your time. Our goal is to help you succeed in this competitive industry so that you can focus on what you do best, helping people find their dream homes. So if you're ready to level up your real estate business through systems, processes, and automated lead generation and lead nurture, book a time to talk at goinabox.com slash demo. That's goinabox.com slash demo.